You're listening to Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim Nidell. Let's go back in time when turtles roam the sewers of New York. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the and knowing was half the battle. Go, go! It's time for Saturday Morning Rewind. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Saturday Morning Rewind. I am your host, Tim Nadell. This episode, let me tell you, this episode is going to be pretty amazing. Charlie Adler has been one of my favorites since probably Tiny Toons, maybe earlier, I'm not sure. So this truly was an honor, a big, huge honor to have him on as a guest for episode number 11. The interview is about an hour long, and I think it's a great thing when you do an hour-long interview and you only ask about 30% of the questions you have on your paper. It was that good of conversation, you know, we'd ad-lib, and he'd ask me questions. and So not only will you know more about Charlie, but you also know a little more about me. I think I do need to warn you before going to the interview that... If you've heard Charlie talk before, you know that his language is a little bit colorful. So this one isn't 100% clean like the other ones are. Um, it's it's kind of funny because before the interview, he did ask me, you know, what kind of audience do I have? Do I need to keep it clean? That kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I told him I, I wanted him to be himself. So I didn't want him to hold back and not be himself in the interview. But he did say that he was going to try his hardest to keep it clean. But there was a couple of slips here and there and couple more spots and it's kind of funny i think you can even tell that he's having a hard time holding it in so just be aware that if you have young children around you that you know a couple f-bombs might be heard every now and then and one other quick announcement this is going to be the first episode where i am going to include a giveaway attached to the episode a little contest for you listeners out there because i want to thank you so much for listening so, if you want to be participate in it, I am going to be giving away, um, it's a cow and chicken sticker, also a Tiny Toons um, trading cards set, brand new, and also a Buster Bunny Tiny Toons Christmas ornament. I'm going to be taking a picture of them and posting them on my Twitter and Facebook page, so you can check that out. All the links are on the website, hitrockbottom.org slash Saturday morning rewind.html or just click on hitrockbottom.org and you can find it from there. And also the way you enter is you go to the website hitrockbottom.org slash blah 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 and just on the left hand side you'll see the entry form. Just type in Charlie Adler as your secret word and I will be drawing the winner on May 31st, end of the month. I will post the the winner on Twitter and Facebook and also email them. So here we go. My interview with the voice of Buster Bunny. Hey, kids. Cal. Watch this. And Chicken. You are a idiot, Cal. This is the great Charlie Adler. All right, so, so I was going through your, your bio real quick last night, and I did not know that you voiced the Hamburglar for the old McDonald's cartoons. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. Howie, Howie Morris was a very, very dear friend of mine, an old friend of mine. And he, I think, was the original hamburger, burglar. And um, I used to call it the turd burglar. <laughs> Look, 30 seconds in, I'm doing it already. Um, anyway, yeah, I did. Um, it, it wasn't long-lasting. They, they, they switched around. I think it was Howie, and then it was Larry Stortz, and then I think then it was me, and then it was somebody else. So I did, I don't know, maybe, maybe a year. Okay. Maybe a year. Uh, and then, and then, then, for, then, Klasky Chupo did the um, uh, videos, uh, the, the uh, McDonald's videos. And then I was the voice of the Hamburglar for that, I think. But you know, I honestly don't have much recollection of my career. <laughs> <laughs> I have some, not, but, but total, I don't. I mean, honestly, I run into people, or uh, and they'll say we worked together. I'm gonna go. Hey, was I in there? Yep. They say. And I go, oh, how was I? <laughs> <laughs> Did we have a good time? <laughs> I, I can't remember all, 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 all the stuff. Just because, um, when I'm, you know, when I'm working, I'm at, at a thousand percent. The minute I leave, I'm in life. And I, I don't, it, 
take, I really seriously have like a, a switch. Uh-huh. Um, and um, it, I just have a very big off switch. When I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, your resume is too huge to remember every little thing anyway, so. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, all of it was important. And, 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 and you know, I, I'm very lucky to have had all of the things. It's just I really, some things I just caught into more than others in hindsight. And some things just don't really, you know, looking back resonate much. Uh-huh. I won't say what they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so before... but chances are, if I don't remember them, I probably was an idiot about doing them. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so before you get started in your your voiceover work, uh, you were doing Broadway, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. What are some of the productions you're involved with? I uh, off Broadway, I did a show called Family Business, which ran for a year, in fact, and I think that was 1978, and it was I think it was also one of the top ten shows in New York at that time, but. Mm-hmm. Oddly, last night, I was celebrating a birthday of uh, my best friend who played my older brother in the show, which is how we met, uh, his his wife, uh, her birthday last night. And it was just, we were actually toasting her. And I was saying when I, I had met her in 19, uh, oh, Lord, <laughs> yeah, about 78. I met her. No, I met her in '75, and I worked with him in '78. So that was one of Shell's family business. So I um, uh, was a successor to Harvey Firestein and Torch on Trilogy, um, and then I did the national tour of that. And I was in an improv, two improv companies in New York, uh, off Broadway improv companies called The Problems Proposition. The other one, I can't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I did a lot of theater, you know, not not in New York, but I would do did in theater or tours. Um, so that's 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 my background. That's the earth on which I stand. Wasn't well, that a good sentence? <laughs> did everybody impressed? The earth on which I stand. Is that proper English? Is that proper English? The earth on which I stand. I you think know, it is. Isn't I it? think it is. I think it is. Very very elegant. <laughs> very proper. My mother my mother was she's still alive, but she's a retired teacher. I think she kicked my ass if she heard me say. The earth on which I stand. I stand on the earth. Alright, so what what led you to cartoons? Did you already did you always know you had multiple voices <laughs> hidden inside your head? No. I know. I knew I had multiple personalities. Uh-huh. But they're 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 so not about voices for me at all. Never have been. Um I, you know what? I've always, I've been several people in my life. I don't mean schizophrenically. I mean, I've had different incarnations of, of periods, chapters, chapters in my life. And um, I think in every single one of them, there was a, uh, I would slip in and out of personalities for my own pleasure. I would satire people that I liked or didn't like. I would <laughs> I would get through events that were difficult for me by by playing with the idea of somebody else being in them, it sounds very maladjusted and crazy, but it wasn't. Um, and so I've always had these different people that lived inside me, and I didn't really know that I could, I didn't really know that there was a place for them outside of an improv company. And, you know, it was when I got into improv, it was very, they really came to me very easily, and they really helped me as an actor come up with characters in animation. But when I was in that, I really didn't know what, was possible. You, you know, you just act, you just work, and you just do stuff. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. When I, right before I moved to LA, I was in New York, and I had gotten an audition for My Little Pony, uh, the original My Little Pony, and it was the and I got it, and it was the first animated job that I had ever done, and I was thrilled. Then the doors flew open, and I went, "My God! I mean, this is this is pretty friggin' cool." And then I went on tour with the show that I had done on Broadway, the Torch on Trilogy, and we were playing in Philadelphia at, on the tour at that time, and um, which was a train ride to New York, and coincidentally, I got My Little Pony too. And um, on my day off, Dark Day, which was Monday, I think I took the train in Sunday night after the last show Sunday, took the train in, woke up Monday, did that, got back on the train, and did the show on Tuesday. I went back to to, to, to um, the play on Tuesday. When I came to L.A., the only thing I had under my belt animation-wise was My Little Pony. Oddly, 
Ginny McSwain, who directed My Little Pony series, among a million other things, brilliant, brilliant, amazing Ginny McSwain, was working at Ar- uh, with Arlene Thornton, who became my agent, at Abrams, Rubeloff, and Lawrence. And they were working side by side. And when I met them, um, they were kind of indifferent to me. I won't tell you what I call them. Um, <laughs> But the first word is a blank. The second word is burgers. You figure it out. <laughs> and and we're all we you know Ginny and I are still dear friends. And uh, Arlene repped me for I think eighteen years of my nine hundred and twelve year career. And um, I went in and they had me do a general audition, and I did it. And then they got me a general audition at Hanna Barbera. And I did that, and I think I was shooting a Bex Beer commercial up in San Francisco. This is when we had pay phones and answering services. Mm-hmm. I think I had a pager. I'm not even sure if pagers were invented yet. Um, I was reading the cave painting walls, and I got this uh, message that uh, I had gotten first. I thought, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> and I, that was my first job, but then My Little Pony went to series out here, and I ended up uh, recreating the coveted role of Spike. The baby dragon. So that was kind of cool. So that the doors just sort of flew open for me. And my first, I think my first season, I said I was in eight series or something. The second, same thing. It just, it, it, it was a huge surprise to me. Yeah. And a, and a thrill. I, 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 who knew? I didn't even know. I really didn't even give animation a thought. Didn't yeah. really know. So that's kind of it. And look at my life now. Good luck. <laughs> And what at, at what point did you do the Smurfs? I think it was 1984. Okay. I think it was 1984, which is, what, 30, 30 years ago? Oh, it's going on 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it really astonishes to me looking back, and, I mean, particularly since I had brown hair and eyelids at the time. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what? Who was that? Who was that child? Uh-huh. And it was funny because I had a I had a party here the other night, and um, Pat Music um, was one of the other Smurflings with me, which is when we met. And her daughter is a huge actress, Mae Whitman, and Pat mm-hmm. was pregnant with Mae at the time. Which wow. just I wow. mean, I'm sitting there, with, I'm sitting, yeah, I'm sitting across from Mae, and you know, she's in her twenties, <laughs> and and my, my head is spinning, and bam, that's my dogs. Those are my dogs. I'm doing an interview, you assholes. Come here. Come on, boy. Uh, um, Van Partible was here, and Brenda Vaccaro was here, and Jeff Bennett. It was a sort of a semi um, uh, Johnny Bravo reunion. And I was just sort of sitting at the table looking at everybody, going, oh my God, we're still standing. It's a miracle. Yeah, that's amazing. It's awesome. So, yeah, it's a miracle. when you were doing the Smurfs, did you at that point realize that you were working with some of the greatest voice actors of all time in that one spot? Um, in, in some instances, yes, 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 and some no. For instance, uh, obviously, you know, Paul Lynch, I walked in and I just shit myself. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I just, you know, that, who didn't know Paul? Even I knew Paul Lynch. Uh-huh. Even I did. I was an idiot. Um, and then I looked around the room and there were brilliant on-camera actors, Hamilton Camp and Alan Oppenheimer and uh, uh, Lucille Bliss and, and of course, June Foray. Um, no, I, did, I didn't really know the extent of everybody. I was I was an idiot. I was green, and it wasn't the world that I had come from. Yeah. However, when um, Jonathan Winters came on, I almost just died. <laughs> and same thing with Brenda Vaccaro. I mean, Brenda came in, the uh, same thing, and I just, it was just, what in the hell? But this is how stupid I was. Here's Frank Welker. <laughs> who is, you know, iconic and brilliant. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't know who the hell he was. And because the truth is, this is going to shock everybody. I'm sure I, I would take a lot of shit for this. I didn't watch cartoons. I was not a huge animation fan. I, it, I, it, I was just a weird kid. It just didn't... I think the only thing I really watched and loved was Crazy Cat. I mean, for whatever okay. reason, Crazy Cat was it for me. And I loved Rocky Bullwinkle. I loved all those... Uh, the, those I thought were amazing, but nothing else. I really didn't watch anything else. So here's Frank, and I think I, and I love Frank. I mean, we're friends to this day, but I said to Frank, I think at one, one session, because it was so amazing, I said, wow, have you ever thought of doing any on-camera stuff? He said this little moron. <laughs> <laughs> and 
he was so gracious. He said, yeah, 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 and again, you know, come to find out. <laughs> <laughs> what a smoke. What know your audience, Charlie? Big lapping toilet. <laughs> but way to go, right? But he was so gracious. I mean, no, there was no, you know, Paul Winchell used to, Paul Winchell had this, I think he had like a Trans Am or something. And we'd break for lunch. He'd say, come on, kid, you want to go for a ride? And I'd say, sure. And he drove like a friggin' crazy person. And I loved it. I was just, he would, we would just drive for 15, 20 minutes. He'd want to show me his car. We'd zip around Hollywood and then we'd come back and go back to work. It was, it, the, the time then to do stuff, there was such, it's very different now. Um, there was such freedom and there was such joy and mm-hmm. there was such immediacy and actors were very, very trusted and respected for their work and it's uh, it's not the same. It's just no, definitely it's not. not the same now. No. No. So I, I really consider myself incredibly lucky to have been in something that really, really honored what we did. Gordon Hunt, who was the director, just gave so much uh, latitude, and he also was from the theater, and really had a great respect for theater actors. And um, and I have to say, the caliber of actor that I ended up working with and becoming friends with, you know, over time and many until our death, was was at the Hanover Barriers. I mean, Brock Peters became for me like a father until he died. Henry Gibson was my best friend. We all we all met there. We all we all met at Hanover Barrier. I wouldn't have met those people without it. So that, those, those were great years. Those were really, really great years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, time marches on. But, boy, did I have a great time then. And, you know, really didn't know crap from Christmas. Just knew <laughs> nothing. Really knew nothing. Just had a great time. Ain't that something? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things that you've been on, you had a, only one episode, so I'm sure you don't remember doing it, but do you remember doing that one episode of DuckTales? Uh, Much Ado About Scrooge? Well, now, let's just go over this. I think Jenny McSwain directed that. And I think it was at B&B Studios. And I think Lucy Taylor were all the nephews. Yeah. And I'm remembering I'm remembering the show. Was Chris Cavanaugh, Chrissy Cavanaugh, was she in that? Um, ah. Uh, you see? You see? I, if you don't know, how the hell am I supposed to know? <laughs> I, um, I, I remember the show. I don't remember. I know that I did it, but yeah. I couldn't tell you what yeah, I did. Yeah, sure. What right. did I do on it? Um, you, you were a door-to-door salesman who uh, would always try to get Scrooge to, to, to buy all your stuff because, you know, he was rich. And uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, you sold him a playwright, a, a script, and it ended up being an old script of a, um, of Shakespeare, or they called him, I believe it was Drakespeare. And so then he went to... Oh, my God. What a memory you have. I know. Good Lord. It's the cartoons all in my head, man. It's They're all still there. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm really impressed because, honestly, nothing is ringing a bell. Yeah. Except, except, uh, except, uh, except the cast. Yeah. Well, I, it's only an instinct that I'm, I'm fine, but Rusi was just amazing to uh. work with. I mean, that all, all those people, all those people, and I have to say about 98% of them are still friends and, and, and we're in each other's lives. We're in each, other un- in each other's underwear at different <laughs> times. And we might not see each other for years, but there's still this profound connection that we all share. Because mostly the people that I worked with were just unbelievably thrilling and fun and, and body and, and open. And it was, uh, wow. I mean, you just, when you just said that, I went, yeah, I could, I could picture the studio. I could picture where I sat. Uh-huh. Couldn't tell you what the hell I did. <laughs> So what is Frank like? What is Frank Wilker like? He is the most gracious, warm, playful, wonderful human being. I always say to him, Frank, I feel like a friggin' shankered whore when I'm in a room with you. Mm-hmm. Because he's so, he's so good. and he, It's genuine. He's so, he is so, he's just wonderful. He's open. He's gracious. He's kind. He's fun. Uh, he's collaborative. I, I, I love him, and 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 you know he gets me. <laughs> it's always <laughs> a, a blessing to me when somebody gets me. Uh-huh. I, I've tried to get an interview with him for so long now, and uh, I finally have reached to a point where uh, I believe his publicist is, is it Pat. Pat is his agent. His Pat agent. Brady? Now there he goes, agent. She finally yeah. she finally gave in, and 
I'm getting an email interview, which is not going to be good for this podcast whatsoever. Because what am I going to do with an oh, email oh. interview? So I'm I'm still going to try to break in and get a get a phone interview at some point because I, I hire somebody to play Frank. You know, <laughs> you I, know, I, I thought about that actually. I I, th- I actually reached out to to um, Rob Paulson on Twitter, but he never got back with me. I was going to say Robbie because I think they're very good <laughs> friends and they play golf yeah. together. I, Rob, I, Frank would even do Rob's. Uh, um, Show yeah, I know, I know. I I remember hearing that too, and so I'm not I'm not hurt at all. He's not doing it. I just hear he doesn't do interviews. No, he's very private, Mm -hmm. and 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 so is Tress, and and I have been on and off, and it depends on my mood. Because I, I, I have I have a very short attention span. But I got to tell you a story about Frank. I lived at the top of a mountain in Malibu, which I no longer live at the top of. But I had you know forever forever vistas. And every time there was a fire, I knew exactly where Frank lived. So I'd always call Frank. I was his fire ranger, and I would just call him and say, "Hey, there's you know blah, blah, it's heading in your direction, or don't worry about it. It's on the other side of the ridge." Blah 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 blah. So when I moved, um, he was kind. He wasn't upset. He was like, "What am I going to do?" <laughs> it is fire. Who's going to call me? So I, you know, I said I can't, can't help you out, buddy. I'm now in the <laughs> lowlands, so no, can't, can't, can't fire range anymore. But it was, but I loved being up there because I knew, you know, Frank and Rob lived lived very close to each other, and Tom Kane at that time also. They were all sort of pocketed in the same little area in the mountains, so I could sort of be the fire ranger for them, which I think is going to be my next profession. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something like that. Okay. Forest ranger. Forest <laughs> ranger. Something like that. So, Tim, I have a question for you. Where are you? I'm in Montana. I'm just south of Missoula. Let's do talk about this. I have two friends who have a place there. Is it where the... Are you near where the Bull Ball Festival is? Yeah, that's not too far. That's about an hour and a half. Oh, not too far, an hour and a half. Well, it, in Montana, nothing is nearby in Montana, so <laughs> hour and a half is they're nothing. Ten minutes, they're like 10 minutes away from the Bull Ball Festival. Okay. And, well, yeah. see, I, I'm about 45 minutes south of Missoula, so I think Missoula's only maybe 45 minutes from from the Blue Ball Festival, whatever it is. Bull Ball, isn't that so? There's always, isn't there something for somebody? My grandmother used to say, every pot has a lid. Yep, every pot has a lid. <laughs> There you go. She would see somebody, would see somebody, she'd say, somebody who she, she thought was just really never, ever going to find love in their life. And they would find love, and she'd go, you see, every pot has a lid. <laughs> very hopeful, very hopeful <laughs> statement. And then when a, when a bird would sit on the windshield, she'd say, yes, sure, for the rich, they sing. <laughs> Isn't that great? It is awesome. It's like, it's old, old, old stuff. All right, ask me questions because you know I mean I'll just I'll just rattle oh, on I, like a demented person. I don't care. I can throw away my whole interview if you just want to talk. <laughs> I I don't feel that I don't feel particularly interesting. <laughs> oh, not at all, man. Seriously, it's you're... Sunday morning and I'm hungover, and I have my <laughs> two dogs who are yapping at me, and I'm waiting for the cable guy to fix my cable crappy service down here. See, when you live in the mountain, you don't you don't get you don't get anything. No, I, oh, trust me, I know. We, we were paying. It's awful because you don't even get people to deliver food, do you? You can't get a no, damn pizza. You can't. Can we just moved, we yeah. just moved into town um, two weeks ago, so finally we can get delivery because we were only five miles out of town and nobody would deliver up in the mountains. For five miles. Five miles. Yes, I know. Even our that internet, sucks. we were paying for internet service pretty much dial-up speed. It was ninety dollars a no. month. No way. Yeah, because no no, no internet it, is up there. Well, I have to say, I just caught myself, and what an idiot I am. It's true, the five mile that I was so outraged. There's a four mile limit from all the restaurants uh, <laughs> near, near me, and it's true. Four miles, they're not kidding around. Nope. If you're 4.1, they're not coming down the road. Not at all. Now I live on a dirt road, and I'm tucked back in the in, in the mountains, and they do go there. You know, if, if somebody does agree, and you have to pay a really big premium. They're so freaked out when they get here. They think, you know, it's going to be a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're usually shaking, carrying whatever the hell they'll, they'll bring. Uh-huh. Go figure. Go figure. Hold on a second. Yeah. Leo, come on. Good boy. Good boy. Yes, that's my Leo dog. Do you have dogs? You know, we did. Uh, we had a Scottish Terrier, but then it got hit by the UPS truck just a year ago. No, 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 no. One no, of the greatest no. dogs ever had. Oh, 
damn, I can't stand this. I think I think it's I think it's the worst one of the worst losses in life. And it's oh, it I love the loss to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, I lost my dad um, only a month before that happened, so that was a little bit different. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the biggest hit when you lose your parents. It's yep. the biggest hit. A child is a second, and I think well, anybody you love. Like, what a stupid thing I'm saying, but there's something about the dog. So you must have been on another planet. Oh, it was a losing your father. And it was a bad dog. year. Yeah, it was a bad year. So I, I just, you know, I have I have three girls of my own, and that year I just made it all about them pretty much because I knew it hit them hard too. So you know, I would I was planning a couple of trips to do for the website and podcast, and so I canceled them and uh, took the girls to Disneyland for a week instead. Oh well, that was good. I mean, you're really you're really looking at you're looking out for them. Yeah, grief is grief is strange. Grief is such a private event. Mm. I'm yeah. always astonished when people tell other people how it's going to be or what they should do. And, uh, you know, well, you, don't do that. Grief is so deep and dark and private, and everybody does it differently. So you, you obviously did it the way you could do it. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you, you know, you don't eat a whole buffet in one bite. You take your grades and take little bits of it. I think that's what grief is. You just got to get take little small bites until you're full. <laughs> and it takes a while. Yep. If you hear panting, it's not me. It's my dogs. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm laying. I'm laying in my wet, very wet grass with these two idiots. That must be nice. I can't do that. There's there's snow everywhere. <laughs> there's snow. Yeah, it snowed for the past couple of days. Oh God. Well, Montana. What do I, what do I think? Yeah. Yeah. Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. My mother's in New York. My mother's sister's in New York, and it's uh, been yeah. snowing on and off. There you go. Here we are. Here we are in spring and nothing. No, not a bloom in sight for them. And I, I'm so happy to be in California. I'm just so happy to be here. And although I would love to go back and do a play in New York, when I really get right down to it, I go, are you off your nut? <laughs> like, you have to do it in the summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I only, I only do plays in the summer. Spring and the summer. <laughs> Maybe early fall, and then I'm out of there. Yeah, they'll, they'll hire you, Charlie. Sure enough. Sure, Charlie. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? So tell me something. What else do you do? Um, daytime, I work at, at the local hospital here. I, I'm in the, the billing department. So I'm just sitting there it, typing away. Is it a big hospital? No, it's, it's, it a, big... a, it's a small hospital. It's a small town. We, there's only like three stoplights, and it's a... I don't know how many thousand people, but not that many at all. So it's a small hospital. So you're only billing three or four patients a month. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't call it a high-stress job at this point, would I? (laughs) So are you a huge animation fan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, honestly, I I started this podcast last summer as, I don't know, I kind of, when Dad died, I kind of went back to my childhood, you know? And I just started watching the old cartoons I did as a kid, and it, it just brought me joy. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to interview my favorite voice actors and just, you know, talk to them. And it, it's really interesting because the, 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 the computer world, I guess, the Internet world has so opened up um, so many things. I'm yet, I've yet to catch up. I'm kind of an idiot mm-hmm. uh, technically. I just don't. But, but I, so many interviews I have done, so many, the few that I have done are this. And I, it, it really is amazing. You don't really need permission to do anything. Yeah. You really, I guess it depends on, it's all up to you, really. It really is all up to you. It's it's your ass on the line and nobody else's. Exactly. There's no yes, there's no no to it. It's if it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh well. If it takes a shit, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to get paid for it, but at the same time, I'm getting paid every day when I do it, so. Well, you might get, you might ultimately get paid for it. I mean, you don't, you don't know that it won't lead to that. Exactly. I mean, I think many people really do. You know, God, I was reading an interview about them. Oh, God, who's that horrible man who's had an epiphany? And he's not horrible anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, Perez oh, Hilton? Yep, yep. Yeah, there's a whole article on him. Thank you, Leo. There's a whole article on him. And uh, it, it really, I was astonished at the kind of life he has lived by getting mm-hmm. the industry that he's created via yep. the Internet. That's Amazing. pretty astonishing. Now, you said something about animation. I just, I just, I just want to say this because it's you know I always I always sound like an idiot to myself when I talk about it part of it has to do with Tim that when when we do something by the time it airs which could be you know nine months to a year later so much life has happened and 
you're in, you know, in so many other things that it's way in the distant past. It's not like you do a live show yeah. and you connect with an audience and you get the feedback. So a year later or five years later, or sometimes uh, just in terms of something becoming a classic cartoon or something, all of a sudden there's this new wave of energy heading your way. And it's, I don't want to say shocking, but it's, it, it, it's different because for me, it's like somebody else, somebody else did it. It's so long ago. Do you know what I'm saying? There's no immediate. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, you, at the end of your day, you know what you've done and there's an outcome. You, you, you feel it. Um, you can see it. And, and, and what we do, or at least I feel about what we do, it's, it's that. So when somebody says, like you just said, in your grief you turn to cartoons, it never occurred to me until this last year or so, maybe the last three years, that anything that I have done has had an impact. Hmm. It's been thrilling to me, and I do it, and then, you know, I'm on to the next. I don't really watch television yeah. unless it's old black and white movies or something on UFOs, ancient aliens, or something <laughs> about, you know, they the animal planet. But I don't really watch I'm not, I don't really connect with television, and, and I'm ashamed to say modern culture. I, I watch TV now. I don't even understand the commercials. I figure, yeah. why, why even bother? Yeah. I really don't. I don't, I don't. It's a language I'm not in. And certainly the Internet is a total language that I just haven't really bothered to, to meet. It's my stupidity and my, my flaw, but it just hasn't really grabbed me. So, you know, I would rather be outside and I'd rather be with the dogs. And so I sort of mind my business. So when somebody says to me, as I've learned in the last couple of years, you got me through my childhood, not just you were part of my childhood, but you got me through my childhood. I was a latchkey kid. My parents were divorcing. I was really having a hard time in school. I'd come home and I'd turn the TV on and watch blank. And then when I really, you know, have been willing to hear that as opposed to getting uncomfortable with somebody saying that to me. I was so utterly thrilled to be, I was utterly thrilled to, to do it and to, to, to hear it. I was so utterly touched to, to hear it. And I sort of, it sort of woke me up all of a sudden. I went, Jesus, Charlie, you moron. Where you been? <laughs> you, you, your work has meant something to more than just you. Well, the people you were in the room with. That feels good. Yeah, I'm sure it does. That that makes me feel like I've been of use. <laughs> and I like that. Uh -huh. I like that. I hate to feel useless or pointless or whatever. <laughs> so if you, in your grief, went back to visiting cartoons, how great is that? Yeah. So, you know, you get you get to tell the people that helped you through a rough period, you helped me through a rough period. I think that's wonderful, and it's great for people to know that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've really even told anybody that. My wife was like, you know, why are you watching Thundercats? Why are you watching DuckTales? And, I don't know, it just made me happy. It made you happy. I mean, really, I don't think you have to explain why something makes you happy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of explaining myself to anybody <clears> about my... You know what feeds me? It's nobody's friggin' business. Have you have you noticed? I haven't said fuck once. <laughs> well, there you go. You had to get out of your system, didn't you? <laughs> I've been trying so hard, but I but I think it's making me ill. <laughs> well, if it needs to, if it needs to come out, just unleash it now. Well, no, it'll just come out, but, you know, at the top of this, before I think you were recording, we talked about it, and, you know, I wanted to be respectful of your, your trust with your audience and, and not be a pig, but I don't consider my language piggish, but yeah. some people do, and what are you going to do? But yeah. I, would, I would rather be respectful of you than not, but fuck, it's difficult. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, and I'm sure they do, too. I'm really trying, dude. <laughs> really trying. So what did you watch growing up? Oh, God. Um, my favorite cartoon, I think, as a kid was Thundercats. That was oh 84, I believe. I, I, I was born in 1980. So I, I, shut up. Just shut I up know. now. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 1980. I'm 16 years old. Every day something new happens. Shut up. Just <laughs> shut up. Leo, 1980, he was born. So what does that make you, 12? Pretty much, pretty much. Or, th or 32. 33? 33? Almost 33, 33. yeah. Almost, when's your birthday? In May. 
Oh, all right. So, Thundercats. Okay, so that was like the hot show then, right? Oh, yeah. In 84, as a, I mean, I was only four years old, so I didn't understand what was going on. But, you know, of course, I, I watched three runs, too, later on in life. And, let's and see you what, mean now when you watch the reruns, you still, you still know what's going on? You figured it out? I have. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, didn't they, didn't, I think they recorded that in New York. I think that was one of the few I shows. I think it might have been. I think so. And I'm remembering a woman that I had done commercials with in the 70s, Lynn Lipton. I think she's a yep, guest. She is. Yep. Yeah, I really liked her. She was very, she was a very interesting lady and funny. And um, she worked an awful lot. Isn't that funny? I remember of all, of all the names. But, you know, there weren't a lot of people in New York who did it. No, no. A lot of here. So that was, I, how long did they do that show? That ran for like 150 years. I, I think it was four years. That's a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. I mean, that's a, that is a very long time for animation, and, and I'll bet it's still running somewhere. It is. I, mean, I catch it on uh, Cartoon Network, I believe, late at night sometimes. I'm, I'm amazed now because, you know, the, you, well, you know this, but, you know, you can see what, what all the shows are on, all the, the cable guides and all that. I, just, I look at stuff and I go, are you kidding me? And then they go, where the hell are my residuals? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm sure. I'm always amazed at some of the stuff. I mean, I think uh, Hasbro put on all the uh, Gem and G.I. Joe mm -hmm. and the Transformers and um, and uh, not Thunder Lizards, what the hell. Oh, man. Oh, help me here for crying out loud. I have no brain cells left. What the hell is it called? One of those shows. Jack Angel was in it. Um, oh, well, he was in everything robots. back in those days. Uh... You already mentioned but it was like one of those robot high techy, not 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 um, Gobots. Say it again. Gobots. Mm hmm. Um, maybe. You know what? Maybe something something like that. Oh crap! Or Beast Wars or maybe we're, as soon as I hang up, I remember. I know. <laughs> God damn it! What's uh, well, it doesn't matter. You, 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 there were so many of them that at that time. That was the heyday. I mean, syndication. Yep. Um, we would do sixty-five episodes. We'd get it. They'd get an order of sixty-five episodes. Now they're terrified to do eight. They go eight. I know. Oh, I know. They don't like it right away. We have to. We have to kill it. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> takes a chance anymore. It's uh, it's very different. What do you watch now? Oh, I don't watch like like you. I don't watch much television and cartoon wise. I don't. I can't get into the modern day cartoons, honestly. So yeah, it's something. I, I, yeah, I, um, well, I never really was in them, but um, we just did a, a live reading on it in a theater in L.A. of Rocco's um, Modern yeah, Life. Yeah, awesome. And and I, you know, I never really watched them, but in order to do the live reading, I had to watch you know an episode that we actually were doing. So I remember what the hell I did. I thought they were really funny. They were. Rocker was a, a great show. Yeah, it really was. And I never, like I tell you, as I'm talking to you, this beautiful red-tailed hawk is just hanging with us. He just sort of came <laughs> down. He's like on a branch right above my head. And wow. I'm just looking up at him. That means something. He had the biggest <laughs> shit on, probably. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's your deep spiritual meaning. A big <laughs> eye in your eye. <laughs> so let me... But anyway, I, I watched that stuff and I went... I watched that stuff. I, I watched it before I did the reading. I went, this was funny. And I, at the time, I remember it being funny. But again, a year later, something goes on. Yeah. And <clears throat> I... It was so... For me, in the past, because so much was happening in my present, that I never really connected to it. And... And... You know, talk about being a slow learner. Twenty years later, I'm going. That was good. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> no, no. I think the only thing that that I, in real time, loved doing beyond love and actually watched when it came out and still watch it if it comes out as cow and chicken. Oh that God, yes, yeah. Makes me laugh out loud. I L O L. Do you know I didn't know what L O L meant for years? Um, I tried to figure out what L O L meant when people would. Start emailing me. What the hell does that mean? And one day somebody told me, "Went, you gotta be kidding." Uh, it's ridiculous. I know. It's like an applause sign. So they say something that they think might be yeah. funny, or I'm just kidding. 
Hello? What the hell is that? You would anyway, not, you would not um, see me type that anywhere at all. Ah, it's like, it's like cheesy. cheesy. It's an applause sign. Here, I'm being funny. Look, I'm funny. Laugh. <laughs> what the bloody hell. But anyway, Cowan Chicken, always, <laughs> David's Feast, I think, is the most brilliant, brilliant man. His, I'll watch those now. His timing, the stuff that he did, his silences, his his looks. He and Van Partable, I think, um, are unbelievably brilliant. I directed um, Johnny Bravo Goes to Bollywood maybe, <laughs> maybe two years ago, three years ago. Anyway, I went, I went to a screening of it, and again, a year later, so you don't even, you know, uh-huh. going, what am I doing here? And we were at Loyola Marymount, and it was Van and Brenda Vaccaro and me, and I, I sat in the theater, LOLing. I was <laughs> laughing my ass off. He is, Van is so friggin' brilliant. His timing, his jokes. Even in the background, there are jokes going on that you, that weren't even written. You know, he, his mind is, he's just, he's amazing. He's just amazing. And he and David Feast, I think, were just the most clever, brilliant, body, insane people. I, it was such a thrill to work with, 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 with the both of them. Did you like them? Oh, God, yes. Yes. Did you watch any of those? Did oh, you watch yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's Around that point is when I kind of stopped watching cartoons. But, yes, I was addicted to Cow and Chicken and I Am Weasel and that kind of stuff. It was fun. And I'm not, I'm not saying it because I was in it. Because we've already established that I don't really pay attention. Um, <laughs> I, it, was, it was a thrill to do, but the end product just really, you know... You really can see, you know, when you're working with a, a brilliant animation director, you, you're going on hope or faith and they're telling you to do something a particular way, but it's not real yet. And then when it becomes real, when it's animated and you see it, that's when you go, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Not only do I get what, in hindsight, what was going on, but look at, look at him. I mean, who knew how brilliant he was when we were all in the room? We were having fun and... It was it was collaborative. It was unbelievable amounts of, of fun and laughter. But I was doing my work. His work was to come. And um, when you actually see the collaborative in the end product, you you really you go this 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 man is so extraordinary and brilliant and 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 by the way, one of the nicest most wonderful people. I consider him a, a brother. He, okay. he he got married here a couple of years ago. So he had his wedding here at my house, and it was just Aww. it was it, it was so it's amazing to me the bonds that we form in this work. Uh huh. And we do. We really, really do. Not everybody. Yeah, I'm sure. You. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone. <laughs> but a good deal of people. I think I'm a very lucky man. I hear that you, you based your, your voice on chicken on what you sounded like when you were 14. Is that right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you were that obnoxious as, as a 14-year-old then? <laughs> no. No, I wasn't. I was a really, really good kid. Um, but the, 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 my sound, I, because I learned how to talk in, in a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Framingham, Quincy, Framingham, I talked like this. Everything was, I said like a little Kennedy. Oh, God, sure. And when we moved to New York, my father was a salesman, traveling salesman, literally. And so we got a place in New York in the little suburban town. And um, I can remember being so mortified because everybody was talking like this. And they were just making unrelenting fun of the fact that I was tacking. Mrs. Freddy, can you speak any pals, please? What the fuck? <laughs> so they were just to avoid getting the shit beat out of me. I would, um, I started to talk like this, and it was, uh, you know, I was like Leo Gorsi, the Bowie boy, and uh, so I started to talk like this, and I started to go into my nose even more before my voice changed, and when I went to, uh, I started to act, and I went to a voice teacher in New York, and she said, get your voice out of your nose, and sort of taught me how to have an unregional accent, but before before acting, I was talking like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they, wouldn't, they wouldn't off me on the lunch line. <laughs> so, so, yeah, chicken, 
chicken circle doesn't need revisiting. Um, in those days, he was very he was very easy for me. Yeah, he was a, he was a real easy easy do for me, and it's, it's it's odd to me because he is my least favorite of that show. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I had fun doing it, but <laughs> oh, I'm sure Cal was a blast doing. Oh gosh, to this day, I talk to my dogs like Cal. I'm in love <laughs> with that character. I fell in love with her innocence, and and she just she just made me laugh. She just, I just got off playing her. I thought she was the the most brilliantly innocent written character in the storm of madness, and she had very very big highs and very big lows, and and the red guy just cracked me up. Oh, David yeah. wrote this yeah. insane. I mean that that he was always in these. Ooh, what was it? Mary Lou Hine. Ooh, I just thought it was it'd be funny that again a year later <laughs> you see Mary Lou Hine drawn and he has a he has a red guy and a two drawn ice skates <laughs> and a long break. What in the bloody hell is he thinking? <laughs> I think he was. I think his, his brain is is amazing. Any of the writing was so great. Steve, um, uh, Mike Ryan, and. Uh, and he were an amazing team. You know, we used to go out to lunch after every single one of those recordings, and I would I would do those three characters in real time. I wouldn't do one at a time okay. and go back and do the script again. So it would be, you know, me talking to myself in real time. Uh-huh. So by the end of the day, we would, we would do two shows, two segments. Uh, I was so toasted that, you know, I almost had to look at my driver's license to I was to get home, but we would always leave <laughs> and go get hammered. We'd record the show, go have lunch, and just be hammered. And we'd spend hours after afterwards just having the best time. The three of us. It was it was it was a great damn time. We just had the best. I missed that. Yeah, I missed that. That show I miss, and that that playfulness I miss because there was just a lot of we had amazing guests. And then Michael Dorn was so, so great to play with. Um, and I am Weasel. He had never really done animation, and I was a bit of a challenge because I was you know <laughs> I made. Uh-huh. <laughs> the way I am, and I looked at Michael. He would tell the story, by the way. He has told the story, so I'm not feeling like I'm talking high school. But um, I looked at him. Maybe the f- first recording it was was very, very stiff. And I looked at him. I said, "What are you, Olivia De Havilland? Lighten up!" <laughs> and we just got along so great after that. Okay. We just every recording was just we would laugh our asses off. He's a he's a brilliant. <clears throat> he's, a, he's a musician. He's a brilliant musician. Hmm. Michael. He started as a musician. Wow, I didn't know that. And, God knows he's a wonderful actor, and that voice is just... Who sounds like that with him? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why can't I sound like that? <laughs> Why can't I? Can you hold on a second? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I have two dogs. Oh, no problem. Here. No, no, come on. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you, my little one. Come here. Oh, I have 150 pounds of dogs next to me. No more. <laughs> yeah, 150, 90 and 60. Look, I did it right. There you go. <laughs> I'm a mathematician. You you you, you you haven't gotten a replacement dog yet, have you? No, no, we haven't. No, nope. not yet. I want to get kind of the. I I would like to get another Scottish Terrier just because I love that breed of dog. But they're sweet. One hasn't come along yet. Well, it's dubbed for me to say this way. Every dog, in my opinion, is, is the greatest thing ever invented. I think dogs are the best invention of all time. Yeah. And yep. there, there's there's no bad dog. They're bad. Oh, they're they're bad parents, but they're no bad dogs. Okay. You know, people people make them crazy. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, no. <laughs> Let's go back. We we skip one of my favorites, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures. I oh, love that show. That was a great show. Actually, my girls are inside right now watching it. <laughs> I love that show. And Tress McNeil to work with Tress, Tressie, and Rob mm-hmm. and Frank and Danny Cooksey who is now a, a father, I think, of three. Mm. Um, uh, Don Messick, who is now passed. Yep. Creep Summer, who is one of my closest relationships in life. Mm. Um, God, she just had her second baby. Um, I feel like Papa Smurf when I talk this way. Um, <laughs> I really do. It's like, Jesus Christ. Joe Alasky, I think that was his first show. Okay. Um, I think we did something like a hundred. We did well over 150 episodes, I think. No, it's got to be. I, I mean, it was. 
that was a long running show. And of course, you. It was a very yeah yeah. I I had a, I had a really really good I had a really good experience until I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't know what people hear. I'm starting to tune into what people have said on the internet. Okay. I want to tell you that absolutely none of it is true. But you know, you can't control the internet. I don't. I don't care to correct what is said. Um, but what is said is not true. And you know, I don't really know how the sources or how people get into this. But when people talk about stuff with great authority. And then I see who the source is, or I've heard of the source, and I go, what? How would they even, <laughs> how would they even have access yeah. if they, if it were true to, to that kind of information, which isn't true. People just make shit up. They say it, or their perception at the time, but whatever. So, you know what? So what, what did happen? What did happen then in Tiny Toons? Well, I don't really, I don't really talk about it. Okay. The joke, the joke was on me as I left. There was one episode left. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of moron? <laughs> I mean, I have to laugh at myself because I think, well, if I had known there was like one or two episodes, I would have just shut my mouth and stuck yeah. it out. Not me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> to find out there was like, what, one special? I thought there was another series. I thought I was taking a stand. <laughs> <laughs> some some good, good business movie. <laughs> Can I hear the Can I hear a little bit of Buster? Sure, Jets. I didn't want to hear. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, still one of my I favorite shows. I, I had a great I really, for the most part, had a really great time. I mean extraordinary time with the cast. Wonderful, wonderful time. Um with the cast. I loved being in that room with those actors and all of us are still friends and uh um, it's funny. I'm casting a show now that I'm that I'm directing. Danny Cooksey was um, hmm. in the, in the finals, and Danny Danny came in. I just looked at him and I say, I, I, I'm sorry, Danny, if you hear this. I think he said he has three kids now. Maybe it's only two. It's two or mm-hmm. three. I'm looking at him and going, I can't believe it. He was a little boy. Just <laughs> <laughs> a little boy, and sweet and wonderful and funny and. Um, Frank was great. Don Messick was great. Cree, Cree, Tress, 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 Tress. What can you say about Tress? Oh, yeah. The, there's nobody like Tress. I say this in every day in the She's probably going to vomit when she hears this. She's probably really hard going, shut up. But it's true. She, she, she's miraculous. Yeah. She's just miraculous. Yeah. She'll, you'll, she'll never get an interview, by the way. I know. <laughs> I've tried that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> You just forget about it. I'm telling you now, just forget about it. <laughs> but she, she's, I think she's the smartest human being I know. I think she is just, she's brilliant on every level and, and beautiful and kind and funny. And I think if she wanted to um, do more on camera than she had elected to do, I think she'd be a freaking superstar. She's, She's amazing. She's just so facile and, 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 and brilliant and deep, and I'm going to shut up because I'm making myself vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about one of your, your more recent um, additions to your resume, the, the, the Transformer movies. You were Starscream. Oh. What was it like voicing Starscream? Well... It was like anything else I did. <laughs> you know, the question presupposes some sort of awareness on my part of how, okay. you know, thrilling your age, which I, which I don't have. I was really thrilled to get the gig, for sure. But because I never, again, I never really, I didn't really know who anybody was uh-huh. because I never really paid attention. But when I got in, and I and I started to work with Michael Bay, who is wonderful. I mean, really, really wonderful to play with. It was a very creatively uh, interesting room. Uh, it was a, a really nice environment on every front. Uh, Michael was so great. The dialogue directors, the every, everybody associated with that production, um, from my experience, was just incredible. And it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of play in it. Um, and I got to 
figure some stuff out about the character. Um, and Michael sort of, he's wonderfully collaborative. I mean, he has a great sense of humor okay. um, about about the material in the scenes. And um, so I was thrilled to be there, but there was no real, I didn't really know or remember the history yeah. um, of the series uh, and Chris Lotta. And, but then I was reminded and I went, oh my God, you know, but I, I don't think anything is too, should be too precious and I don't get reverential about it. I'm respectful and I'm thrilled to be in that room, but I never really, I didn't really know. <laughs> I'm just basically an idiot about, you know, even your question was loaded. What was it like? Because yeah. you obviously think there was something about that that I should be feeling other than it's a great gig and how fun and what a great character. Um, if I think about any more than that, I think it's it's crazy making. Okay. You know, I have to do my job. Yeah. If I was aware of the things that I guess I should have been aware of at the time, I would have felt an enormous pressure. Um, and, I, and I might have just gone, oh, God, I have to do this or I have to do that. For me, it was just a fresh, new thrilling character yeah i mean you, you did an incredible you did an incredible job chris lotta i loved his voice as starscream and you did an incredible job so oh thank you thank you i haven't i oh god i haven't even seen them um you know i saw <laughs> the footage that i did i saw the footage that i did you know the adr at the time and that was i mean it was amazing i i'm astonished at technologically at the the people who who come in and the, the artists i mean at one point, and I think it might have been the second movie, um, I was in an ADR bay. They didn't have the stage available. We were just in a very small, with just to take up one or two lines. And so I was in this uh, very small edit bay with Michael and the editor. And they brought some footage up. And where I had, how I had been working before was on a very big stage, and it was a very, very big screen. And... I was more focused on me so that I could get, mm-hmm. you know, the, the intent right and whatever. It was, it was much more about me and the character and getting that right. When we were in the edit bay, I was able, the footage was already more sophisticated and done than the earlier stuff that I had been looking at on the stage. And I saw in color, in full bloom, up close and personal, the amount of detail that went into the, the art, the artwork, the, the characters, the way they were animated. I, I was blown away because if you just sort of did, uh, if I came in close, which I did, and looked at a piece of any of the characters, there were 40,000 pieces mm-hmm. of stuff. It, 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 I was so blown away but because I'm so not a technician about what people could actually do. I mean, that work is astonishing. If you really think about what what comes out of nothing at a thin air that these that these artists create it's really it's astonishing it's really astonishing mm-hmm. and the collaborative of Michael's vision and other people you know he has amazing people around him and how they come up with this is crazy it's crazy you know then you really feel how little you are contributing to um, it's important I don't want to mean to undermine the contribution but it's really amazing how many moving parts go into something like this, the voice being one of them. And it's a finishing touch on something that is just unbelievable work, unbelievable work visually. But I haven't, you know, I haven't seen the whole movie. I'm just talking about standing in an edit bay. So I can only imagine. Do you, I don't even go to the movies. (laughs) Do you know if you're going to be part of the next one? I haven't heard anything. Um, I haven't heard a word. Is there a next one? Um, it's just in the very beginning stages. Well, I'm hoping, I hope to be, but, you know, I was killed. I, wasn't I killed? You were killed, but, you know, it's Transformers. You can come back. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. They just have to recircuit me or something. Did they do the last time? Yep, they did that. Happen? Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they, maybe they don't want to be predictable. I don't yeah. know. Listen, I'd be thrilled. I hope, I hope they do. It was, it was great fun. And it's wonderful to be a part of it. I mean... It was a big deal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely. It definitely. Sparked. How was how was how was the last one? Was the movie really good? Actually, the second one I wasn't a huge fan of the second one, but the third one I wasn't a huge fan of the first hour, but the second oh. hour I thought was amazing. Wow. 
right. Maybe I should actually watch these, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll turn off Ancient Aliens. By the way, I cannot say enough about that show. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? I have, yes. I love it. I am such a geek that way. I, yeah. I, I can't get enough of it. And I watch the same ones over and over. It's not like I see new ones. Oh, I just yeah. go, oh, yeah, I guess I did it again. Yeah. That's just tragic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. And The Humble Life of the Doug and Beetle on the Discovery Channel, one of those things. Chris Cavanaugh and I used to talk about the fact that we just want to watch The Humble Life of the Doug and Beetle. That became our, <laughs> our, our mantra. That's what we're going to watch. Hold on one second. I have to look at the time because I have to get someplace. Okay. I have to go. Okay. We, we, can, we can close I'm it up. I'm so sorry. Huh? Mm-hmm. We can close it up. and yeah, I mean, I can talk for you for another five hours. We better stop now. Oh, thank you. No, I, I feel like I've been remarkably boring. But no, not at, not at all, man. Not at all. Real quick before you go, can I get you to do a promo for the for the podcast as Cow and Chicken? Thanks again for checking out Saturday Morning Rewind. I really do appreciate it. Remember to sign up for our giveaway contest that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Just go to hitrockbottom.org slash saturdaymorningrewind.html and fill out a little survey on the left-hand side using the secret word that I used earlier in this podcast episode. And while you're there, check out the Saturday Morning Rewind merchandise you can buy and also follow me on Twitter and Facebook. All the links are right there on the podcast page. And also don't forget to rate me on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Here's a quick tease for the next episode. Are your muscles sore, tired, aching? Try Liquidator brand deep heating rub. Thanks again. See you next time.